Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Better Roads is where we explore and we learn from the journeys of people, people who love and are serving the Lord. So I want to thank you for joining us today, and our guest is Pastor Derek Sissel. Now, Derek is the pastor of two open Bible churches, the Reach Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and the Reach Church in Largo, Florida. And and we're going to learn about that and how that works. But first, before we get there, Derek, I want to welcome you. And I think the place for us to start off is by talking about something I know is very important to you. Tell us about your family, Derek. Absolutely. And thank you, Randall, for, uh, you know, invite me to share on Better Roads. Uh, it's a joy anytime to, to share one story. So the invitation is appreciated. Um, I've been married to my wife, Angie, for 32 years, uh, 32 and a half. You know, June will this next year. Uh, well, this year we're in the new year. Um, it'll be 33 years. And so it's uh, she's the love of my life without question. She is my best friend. Uh, we enjoy one another. I can't say that's always been the case. We've had our moments for sure, but we've worked through those moments. And I, I do find that, you know, when you stay in, you stay committed, you know, your love grows deeper and uh, it's not just based on all the outward appearance and the, the things in life, but rather it's based on the person. You really get to know the person and they get to know you and and that's the best life can get is when someone knows you very well that's right. and uh, knows your your faults and knows your strengths and still loves you as much as anybody could love you uh, next to the Lord, of course. Um, we have three children, three adult children, uh, Danielle, Vanessa and Wade. And uh, so my girls are the oldest. Uh, Danielle's the oldest. Vanessa's the middle. And then Wade is our youngest. Um, our oldest daughter, Danielle, who's married to Jeremiah Ziegler, uh, blessed us with three amazing grandchildren, Elijah, <laughs> Judah, and Bella. Uh, they are so much fun. I've heard it said before that cho- grandchildren are the reward for not killing your children. <laughs> I, I never felt like I wanted to, never felt like I wanted to kill my children, but there's a couple times I wanted to. Uh, you know, lock them in their bedrooms and not let yeah, them out. Yeah. Uh, but man, those little kids come over and they just, uh, you know, Mimi and Papa all hung the moon for them, you know, in a sense. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, we're moderately pressuring our, our daughter, Vanessa. Uh, she just married Levi Nortoon this past November. And uh, so there's some moderate pressure to uh, give us another grandchild. Um, we got some moderate from, pressure. Uh, That's a very interesting term. Moderate. We're not, we're not being too strong on that. We know they need to get to know one another a little bit better. Um, we need but, to ask uh, Vanessa on here next and ask her what moderate pressure is probably, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that she'll think it's moderate. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it is kind of cool to watch the, uh, the grandchildren, uh, go have a conversation with her and Levi and like, we need some cousins. <laughs> so <laughs> They're getting it uh, on all sides, if you will. But uh, yeah. no, they're, they've started off well, they're out in California, um, you know, um, serving, you know, on the staff there uh, in Concord with Mike Nortoon and, 
they just, you know, they're enjoying themselves and we're happy for them. They were just out for a short visit uh, for the holidays and all the family was here. All the children and grandchildren were in the house and it was uh, loud, but it was uh, a blessing. Um, Fantastic. You know, when I think about uh, my family, that's probably the, uh, the most important thing in my life. Um, I grew up in a tumultuous childhood. Um, Angie and I both, uh, you know, no condemnation to our parents, but 21 divorces, uh, you know, each of our parents, uh, five, except for one of, one of mine, uh, had six divorces. So when we met, uh, I had in me this desire to have a marriage that would last and, and a family that I could love as a father. Uh, didn't really know what that was. Uh, when I met Angie, Angie and I knew each other two weeks and we are engaged, um, married within two months. And uh, before That's we actually got married. moderate pressure to get married, I think, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the military helped with that because I came down on orders and we either get married or I go two years in Germany without her. Oh, um, yes. In the incentive yeah. plan. Yeah. So it really, uh, it really expedited the uh, get married so that she can get on my orders and, and we go to Germany together. But uh, just prior to getting married, um, we hadn't talked about God. Um, that wasn't in our conversations. Family was in our conversation. Marriage was in our conversation. Career was in our conversation. But God wasn't. And um, I had actually went to Death Valley, California and uh, was in a, a desert training exercise, sitting in a Humvee. And that was, the, that was my God moment. Um, you know, where I dedicated my life to Christ was really, it wasn't me that found him. It was him that mm -hmm. found me. Yes, amen. And, and that, that's the case, right? He's the shepherd that finds the sheep. Right. And we kind of think we find him, but the reality is, is he finds us mm -hmm. somewhere in the midst of our, our mess and, and uh, draws us to himself. So for me, I was sitting in a Humvee and I actually heard my name and not, I wouldn't say audible, but very, very real. And it, uh, it kind of shook me because it seemed so real and uh, I kind of just missed it. And then a second time I heard my name and then I was a little concerned that I might be hearing voices. And, uh, you know, the United States military gives you a section eight if you're hearing voices. So it was unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, the third time I heard it, something in me resonated and I felt what I didn't understand is God's presence, but later would understand mm -hmm. it, the tangible presence of God came into that Humvee and, and he, uh, and I just said, God, is that you? And he said, uh, Derek, when you were nine years old, you promised me your life. If I'd give you a woman who would not love you and never leave you through anything, I've given you that woman and it's time for you to give me your life. Well, I called Angie shortly after that had happened from NTC death Valley and told her I wanted to go to church. So I'd grown up going to church a little bit with my grandparents, uh, Church of Christ. Uh, it wasn't a uh, spirit-filled, you know, um, gifts of the spirit, Pentecostal church. It was, it was more uh, evangelical. And so I'd never experienced the manifestation of the gifts of the spirit. And I went to this church and uh, we were in worship and um, I could hear somebody like worshiping the Lord in tongues off to my right. And I thought, well, maybe that's Spanish or something. 
<laughs> and then off to my left, it was different. And I thought, man, is that French? What, what's what going on in this? here? Yeah. <laughs> so I have this moment, this, uh, this uh, just epiphany of, oh my goodness, this is a tongue speaking church. And I will never forget thinking to myself as a kid, I heard uh, one of the members of our church say to somebody else, those tongue talking churches, a bunch of devil worshipers. I and so I, say snakes. <laughs> I thought to myself, I'm out of here. I won't embarrass your parents, but you'll never get me back here. And the pastor got up and preached. And when you know it, he preached on the love of the father. <laughs> and man, it was like two promises all at once for me. I made the promise to God at nine years old because I had, I had just been beat by my stepfather. And I was at the back 40 of our farm and just kind of throwing rocks in a creek talking to God as a nine-year-old, not really knowing what I was saying, but saying it anyway, and promised him my life. And uh, met Angie, he'd give me that woman. And then the next thing you know, I finally had a father. And uh, yeah, I remember the pastor just, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I remember the pastor just saying, um, do you wanna give your life to Christ? And I, my eyes were closed because it was every head bowed, every eye closed, and he started to pray. And, mm -hmm. and when I heard him say, do you want to give your life to Christ? I opened my eyes and somehow I had walked to the altar 20 feet away mm. and didn't even know I did it. And mm. I was the only one standing there. And so it was proper for him to say, do you want to give your life to Christ? You walked up here. Why, why are you here? And yes. I gave my life to the Lord that day, went uh, to pick my wife up from the airport. She, she was in Florida at a cousin's wedding first thing out of my mouth that I got saved uh, Angie told me later on that that uh, that night she knelt down at her bed and just rededicated her life to the Lord and we've been serving the Lord since that day and uh, it's been oh. a joy oh beautiful beautiful we started right off here with some great preaching Derek I mean <laughs> sorry you know how 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 God apprehended you and that is as you said that is how God works and we tend to think that I did this God first has to find us and then I think how you shared about a legacy between you and your families of 21 divorces and you wanted something yeah. different than that and you did you did achieve that but but because it takes work and it takes God uh, you know, the redemptive work of God in your lives and learning to grow with one another and with the Lord. And then the beautiful, the beautiful fruit that's come out of that with your family and grandkids. I'm talking to a rich guy today. Yeah, fact. Very much so. Uh, well, that's a I don't fantastic. know if you can see the picture. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know if you can see the pictures behind me, but those are my my children and the one... Uh, the worshiper, the the reader, he has Bible and he's reading the Bible and then my prayer. They all had distinct ways of connecting to God. Yeah. I think we all do. You know? We do. All those things are important in our life. That's right. Those distinctions. And That's right. Families, families, everything. If I don't, Amen. if I don't win my family, mm -hmm. I try to win the world. But I just feel that calling to my family in a, Amen. In a very, Amen. very distinct way. So you also have. Uh, these other facets of ministry in addition to your family. And uh, we talked early on how you're pastoring two churches. And, you know, in the history of the United States, we have this thing that was called circuit riding preachers. 
and that were, yeah. you know, they were the preachers who would get on a horseback and ride between these communities and, and they would take care yeah. of more than one church. So there is a history for that kind of thing, but that was on horseback where you could get between places on horseback. You're pastoring a church in Colorado and a church in Florida, Florida one, Tampa Bay area. Um, I don't think that qualifies for horseback. Uh, so it's a, no. a modern version of a circuit riding preacher. So, yeah. you know, I, we've got to ask the questions. How is it feasible to pastor two churches that are that far apart? I mean, how often do you yeah. spread yourself between these places? In short, how do you make this thing work? Yeah. Um, feasible, uh, possible, right? <laughs> so. Uh, it, it has an impossibility to it. Um, I, I would say that by God's grace, uh, obviously things are possible. You know, we're living in very different times now. Travels, for the most part, it's very accessible. Uh, it does make it possible. And, and as you said about the circuit riders, that's one of my favorite stories. Uh, you know, for America, only one county did not have a Methodist church. One county in all of America did not have a Methodist mm -hmm. church. So there was a method to what they did. I, I see it as that they moved key leaders where they needed to be to do the things that only they could do and equipped, of course, the saints and released other ministers to do the things that they could do. Um, I, I, the military itself, right, when they deploy, you think about the challenges that they might face. They'll deploy the Air Force for the challenge that requires the Air Force, the Navy yes. for Navy and, and, you know, of course, the Army and the Marines for the, the challenges that they can face the best. That's getting the right leaders in the right place to do the things that that they can do. And it's not that others don't exist that could do it. It's the the idea of the relational connection, obviously, being a part of Open Bible. Um, I went to help do an assessment to determine, can this church um, be revitalized? Can it can it survive and can it uh, move to a place of thriving for the future. And so, you know, as I weighed all of that, you know, um, it came down to talking to leaders. Uh, of course, first, the Southeast Region uh, Board, uh, that conversation as it took place, you know, it was, a, this is definitely not a traditional approach to do that. Um, and then our leaders out here, our board out here, obviously starting with overseers of the church, first and then of course moving the staff and you know would you guys be willing to to shoulder the burden so that i can go and offer and i would add to that angie my wife who has her own gifts and skills that have been uh detrimental to seeing a turnaround in largo um would you guys shoulder that so that we can go and give to the church in largo um a, a new opportunity for for a uh, if you will future and a hope that they can uh, survive and even thrive if if we do the right things. So I, I think the church is obviously known um, for that. I'm sure you've heard the cliche, you know, uh, we've never done it that way before. But from from the Southeast Region Board to our board to our our staff. Uh, Jake and Amanda Grimes, who are the campus pastors down there, who are doing an amazing job. Uh, you know that they came from the eastern region down to the southeast region, but they'd already felt a call down there. And I think God kind of, right, he goes before us and then he comes behind us as a rear guard as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. We went before us and uh, we're looking for him to obviously keep things uh, moving. We need more leaders, not less. And, uh, you know, I would say that, that they uh, answered the call of God. We answered the call of God. The members of the church down there answered the call of God. It obviously went to a vote uh, for the congregation to be able to, to give voice to whether they wanted to do it this way. Uh, then of course to our, I wasn't going to announce it to our membership and let, if they didn't want us, I wasn't going to even make it a, an, an issue for our congregation in Colorado Springs. But when they were a yes, and I brought it back and, and frankly, there was, there was no, no, it was, um, it was yes and yes. Um, and yes and amen, as we would say, right. Mm -hmm. So there was really six, um, you know, Gideon put a fleece out to make sure that it was the Lord that was leading him. And there was really kind of six fleeces. I actually had in me this thing of, I don't know if I want to do this. This is going to be really hard. You kind of and, went beyond uh, Gideon then, didn't you? Six fleeces. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty, um, I, I wanted everybody to be in mm -hmm. or I didn't want to do it. Uh, Angie and I felt like we were entering the most comfortable season of our ministry here in Colorado. Um, a lot of years uh, invested in getting to that point. But uh, it was, she had said to me one time, she goes, you know, things are really going well. I wonder if we would say yes to God if he asks, asks us to sacrifice again or to step up and do something hard again. Um, and man, did he do it? And I told her, I said, don't say anything like that again. <laughs> but, <laughs> it takes uh, you up on but it. But <laughs> we did. We, we checked it with others and, and made sure that there was confirmation that that everyone that was going to be a part of this felt like they had voice and that we were not going to try and, uh, if you will, force something through, but really needed to hear from the Lord. So anywhere you go in the world, Derek, you know, people, all people have the same basic needs. <clears throat> I mean, God created us all. And there are certain basic things that are foundational to all of us. However, yeah. how those needs are expressed really varies with cultures. And that includes even in yeah. this country. I mean, that there's a difference, obviously, between culture in, in the Largo, Florida area and the Colorado, Colorado Springs area. What are some of the cultural differences between those two locations that you have discovered? You know, I'd, I'd have to say that uh, Colorado Springs, our church is a generational church, uh, 90s. I think our oldest person is 93 and, of course, newborn babies. Uh, so we we, we kind of used to say 80s to babies. Now we say 90s to babies. Uh, we'll see if somebody makes it in their hundreds, but uh, it's generational. We have kind of, a an, for the most part, an even swath of, of each generation represented in our church out here. And going to Largo, of course, as you know, the uh, working families and they're all retired and then there's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, college and then there's high school and then there's elementary school and our middle school and elementary school. And and even, of course, you know, that infant stage. So there's a lot of different dynamics out here that I think not only culturally, but just seasons of life that play into how ministry takes place in Colorado Springs. Um a lot of those, um, uh, if you will, programs that we do, like where we have children's ministry, youth ministry, and so on, um, those things, I, I think the method can be applied anywhere. But as you said, the culture, how does that fit within the culture? So Largo, 
uh, is predominantly a retired group of people that were left down there. And uh, just a sweet, loving group of people, um, only a few children, only a few teens. Um, so, so obviously there's a smaller group of the, the families with those children. So, so a lot of the ministry focus down there is, is of course, the older generation wants uh, things to be a little more tailored to, to what they're accustomed to. Uh, and, and we get accustomed in worship, uh, in the way we fellowship, Bible study to certain things. Uh, so it's predominantly a retirement community where that church is in Largo. Uh, it's surrounded by uh, trailers, if you will, where folks have worked their whole life and they've got to that place and are on a fixed income. So they buy a, buy a trailer down there. They enjoy the beaches. Um, I would say that both locations have a, a bit of a vacation or a recreation kind of um, uh, atmosphere to them. Uh, I couldn't have hoped to pastor in two better locations. <laughs> uh, you've got the mountains of Colorado and you've yeah, got the beaches, do. the white sand beaches. <laughs> you of got it all. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, folks would ask us in our first 18 months down there, you know, how was the beach? And Angie and I are kind of like, hey, it's 12, 14 hour days right now, turning that thing yeah, around. So I, yeah. I've been to the beach, you know. So, oh, man. Uh, you have to catch up but on it's, that. Um, it's different. Yeah, it's different from the standpoint of, um, you know, there is a, a little bit of a play culture. You know, I'm down here to enjoy myself. Uh, while in Colorado Springs, we still have, uh, again, that generational aspect. Most people are still in that work stage of their life. So that's different. Uh, the South. Uh, so here in Colorado Springs, um, we have a lot of military bases. So there's a little bit more of a conservative bent. But a lot of folks moving in from California and there's different mindsets that have have come in. But the area in Largo is very conservative. Uh, so you see the politics kind of play in sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I work really hard at just saying, culture. hey, no matter what culture we're in, the gospel is the gospel. Uh, but we strive to do what Paul the Apostle said when he he uh, encouraged us to become all things to all men that you might win some of them. Amen. It's not an indication to go sin with them. That's an indication to prefer them above yourself. And that's yeah. what we really strive to do with the differences of the culture. That's good. That's good. So you you live in Colorado Springs, you and Angie do, and then you make these forays to Florida. And you talked about how, you know, they had to be buy-in. Your congregation in Colorado Springs had to buy in. Uh, yeah. and, and that means literally buy in to their sharing yeah. their pastor with the congregation in Florida. And the, the Florida group had to buy in also that they'd be receiving a pastor who has been with another church. And so that's the decisions they had to make. But uh, do these two congregations interact with each other at all? I mean, what is their relationship or sense of connection other than the fact that they both say Derek Sissel is our pastor? Yeah. So um, I would say that the initial, and even for our staff here and team, I had said it'll take me about 18 months to really get this on the rails. And then I think that the team down there will emerge and it'll become a little easier and I exhorted our congregation out here that um, that was like a new baby to us. And the baby's going to need the attention initially. So I need grace from our congregation in Colorado Springs to help the baby, you know, mm -hmm. uh, 
be able to get off milk and start to get on meat, if you will. And mm-hmm. it's not like the natural sense that, you know, you know, a child at 18 months, you're not thinking they're grown up, but these are older people, um, that they, they get life. They've been through seasons of life. And so in the, in that process, the initial stages, I would say the first year, there wasn't much interaction except for with Angie and I going from one place to the other and, and then giving a report of what was happening, uh, how the money that we were investing, uh, which by the way, with Southeast region of, of open Bible, uh, a matching of funds to infuse funds to help turn it around. But a lot of the focus initially was just communicating vision, uh, consistently reporting to the congregations what's happening in each location, kind of, you know, if you will, bringing them together relationally through communication first. Then, of course, it is, a, a, you know, again, on the white sand beaches of Florida. So some of our members vacation down there and they start coming down to the Clearwater area, uh-huh. come to church for a church service. Um, even some of our worship folks went down and jumped on the platform with, with, um, Jake and, 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 you know, supported leading in worship with him and, and folks got to interact. We've had two, uh, two youth camps from our South part of the mountain plains region where I took them down to Florida, got them to the beach, get them out of the mountains and get them to something they haven't seen. Cause 80% of them never seen the ocean, you know, face to face. So, um, so that became a very uh, exciting thing for them. Uh, obviously, our young adults and some of our key leaders out here coming down to help serve that. And then the members of the church, the seniors of the church, because, again, predominantly it's seniors. I mean, they're coming out, they're dying their hair blue and pink and, and, and just doing all these crazy things and interacting. You're talking people in their late 60s, 70s that are coming out and just interacting and serving this camp we did. Uh, preparing the food for them and just coming out and ministering, praying with them. And so that interaction was really dynamic for them. Of course, uh, infusing a vision to see youth from our community down there come into the church. Um, Then also a group of men from Colorado Springs uh, flew down and, and there's a lot of work. The, the property is 14 acres. There's, there's a lot of buildings, there's, you know, way more than we need, but at the same time, they're in disrepair. And so a lot of our men came down and, and served alongside the men in Largo to do some of the renovations in those buildings. And so, uh, we see more, uh, that will be coming in that. Uh, and we have members down there that are talking about wanting to make a trip to Colorado Springs to, to get involved and do something out here. It's kind of like you, 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 uh, you become acquainted with your distant cousins or something and suddenly realize yeah. your family. So, family so Derek, we're, we're going to move on to one other area because in addition to pastoring, the busyness of pastoring two churches, different parts of the country, different stages of development, you were also recently appointed the regional executive director for Mountain Plains region of Open Bible Churches. Now, for mm-hmm. people who are listening and aren't really that acquainted with it, what states would that be? Yes, yeah, so that's Montana, Wyoming, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Colorado, and New Mexico. Okay, so I want to set this up for everybody to, to really get a grip on this. You're pastoring the two churches. 
you're being a, a jet-setting circuit rider between those two churches, leading those, and now becoming a regional executive director for that territory that has states scattered yeah. in it. So I'm going to pose the question for you that I know other people are thinking right now. What? <laughs> That's the first thing they're thinking. I mean, it's like, how on earth will you make juggling those three major responsibilities? I mean, any one of them is big enough in itself. How will you juggle those three major responsibilities? And I'm going to go back to that word I used when we were yeah. only talking about two congregations and now adding this. How is that really feasible? <laughs> it's not for me alone. <laughs> it's not feasible for me alone. I don't think it is for anyone. Um, but it is feasible with teams. Um, when I think about Jesus, I mean, he came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, I mean, if anyone had a mandate and a mission, he had the hardest uh, leg of the mission or the, the heavenly vision, as Paul the Apostle put it when he was testifying to King Agrippa. He said he wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. Well, Christ certainly wasn't disobedient to what God called him to do, and he did that. But the first thing he did when he set out uh, to um, walk in the fullness of his ministry, we would say, we know that he grew in stature and favor with God and man, at, you know, from that age of 12, where he's in the, the temple confounding Pharisees and Sadducees, wondering where the wisdom, you know, this child got his wisdom from. I, I like to always say a friend of mine um, by the name of Greg Johnson, uh, who pastored in the Foursquare Church, uh, I think he still does, but he made the statement one time that uh, Jesus was probably uh, grounded longer than any other teenager was ever grounded because at 12 years old, his parents couldn't find him. They found him in the temple and he made the statement, did you not know I'd be about my father's business? And of course, we don't see Jesus till he's 30. So it's like he went home and he worked in dad's carpenter shop <laughs> and, and you ain't going anywhere now. I know that's not uh, the whole truth to that, but the reality he had, a time. Yeah. he had a moment where, where he emerged into the fullness of what God has sent him into the earth to do. Mm -hmm. And, and when he did the first thing he, he, he went out and, and um, implemented was a team. He picked 12 people that a lot of others would not have picked but he picked those 12 men and they ended up being uh, 12 apostles, obviously knowing one betrayed him. And then uh, Paul was one born out of season is the way I think the word states it or Paul states it. But, but teams are the only way that something like this is possible. And I think about Jesus saying that, you know, the great works that he was doing that just confounded people what was it like to hear him say even greater work shall you do than these? Yes. True. But I think his model of making sure that you, you uh, pray through obviously, and, and you, you pick a team, everybody's not going to stay with you. Uh, they're not all going to get it. Um, some of them will serve for a while and move on. I would say appreciate every aspect of, of uh, what God does through the teams that you have. Know that you always got to deepen your bench because these kind of things, great things are not possible through just individuals. Um, mm -hmm. Vision may be, but, but accomplishment is not. 
to accomplish a great vision, uh, it takes people that embrace that vision, will become a part of it, will sacrifice for it as well, uh, will serve it. Uh, again, there will be people that sometimes, you know, for pastors out there, it's like, look, I know everybody has lost leaders. Uh, I just read recently that uh, somewhere around 7,000 pastors resign every year from pastors, that's senior pastors from ministry. Hmm. And, and I think that, that resilience is very important in that. Mm -hmm. um, you, you've got to have the ability to develop tougher and tougher skin while working hard and keeping a tender heart, because True. if you're going to do these kind of things, you've got to, to have a, a soft heart to hear from heaven. A hard heart will not hear God's mm -hmm. guidance. And mm -hmm. so for it to be feasible, I've got to hear from the Lord. Uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. So looking for confirmation to this, great, but are there others that have a confirmation that God has called them to the work as well? Because a team can get this done. Amen. So Derek, as we've talked about how God is working through these two churches and now with this new mantle of responsibility on you for the Mountain Plains region, of open Bible churches, really, of course, you've been talking about your journey in the process where yeah. God has taken you going back from those early days, you know, and then you and Angie together and those, those foundational days of uh, charting a pathway where God would have yeah. you to go. And so you've been, the Lord's been unpacking things for you every step of the way. So, you know, we call this a podcast better roads because we like to explore the better roads that our guests have chosen in life um, you and i both know there are some roads that we don't choose there is some that's just yeah. like buddy there you are i'm on it i don't have any choice i've i've got to go down this road and find my way there are other roads that we choose and we say oh dear god i wish i'd never done that you know that was Thank you for your saving grace and thank you for redemption, Lord. But I know that wasn't the right road for me. But but this is what we call it better roads, because there are some roads that we look yeah. back in our lives and we realize, wow, thank you, Lord. That those roads, that road or those roads were so vital and they're so important to who I am and and how God can use me today. I'd like for you to share with us, if you could, Derek, are there, you know, one or two of those kinds of roads you'd say, in addition to your decision to follow Christ, you look back, those are pivotal roads. Those were, those were truly better roads for me to take. Yeah. Um, when you say there's good roads, there's bad roads in a sense. Um, I can look at the, the bad roads. One of them, uh, my wife defines as the season I grew horns and I found myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a, it, it, you know, to, to be a Christian, to, and especially to be a pastor, not a good statement, especially from your wife. And I definitely had that woman who would love me and never lead me through anything because wow. I had anger. I chose, that was a bad road for me. And my anger had to do with failure from leaders in the church. And, and I took offense at it. Mm. Um, but I started to find really quickly that why well, I said I was following Christ, but the moment that a leader failed me or, 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 or fell, uh, all of a sudden that's what had the greatest impact on me. 
And so I became bitter, hard-hearted and bitter, uh, angry. And it, it was a, um, it was a road that, uh, was painful. That's miserable, um, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. But I found that through the offense and the anger and the bitterness, what happened is, is I became idle concerning the mission of Christ. So to me, a, a better road is, is that not to become idle in our pursuit of Christ in our, in pursuing our calling. Um, I think that uh, more times than not, I've realized that when those idle moments come, that what happens is, is I get distracted from what God's called me to do. Um, you look at the time we live in, how easy it is to become idle with things like TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and, uh, you know, even television, like people have more hours than they actually realize. Now, I know mm-hmm. some people need more sleep than others. I've always been kind of a, uh, four to six hours now that I'm older. Um, but people have more time than they realize. And so a better road to choose. I, I look at don't be idle, choose, choose a road that you are engaged in what God's called you to do. You're engaged with your family. You're engaged with friends because those things that, that uh, cause us to be idle, I believe are what lead to idolatry. Hmm. And then all of a sudden our worship to God is broken. And when our worship towards God is broken, we don't even realize until we look back how we got down a path that has brought destruction in our life. And so I grew horns because I was idle concerning God's call on my life, idle concerning my relationship. And so I think that, uh, you know, devotional life, keeping that intact, um, you know, prayer life, having some good mentors in your life. And where those mentors are concerned, you need to have two to three people in your life that you can tell both your dreams and your failures. And let me define failures a little clearer for, for folks, because people don't like to say sin anymore. Uh, sin. Mm-hmm. Can you tell your sin to somebody mm-hmm. and then love you enough to actually minister to you, to break you out of that? Again, I understand it's the power of the Holy Spirit, but God uses people to speak into our life, especially when we're in a state of deception. So when my mm-hmm. wife looks at me, and, and she confronts me uh, when my wife knows these are the two to three people you can pick the phone up if I go crazy on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lose my way. And then she does it. Because I told her when I was healthy, if I ever get like this, call these people. And she did. And they called me and said, uh, hey, how you doing? I said, well, I'm doing great. Like we Christians can do so easily. <laughs> <laughs> and I was idle in my my walk with God, oh, and that oh. those brothers, I'm telling you, it's like really because Angie called me, and I said, "Oh, now it got real," and that helped me to break out of that idleness. And I am so ever grateful um, that my wife had the the intestinal fortitude, the strength to call those men and actually tell on me to hold me accountable so that I could get back on a better road, leave the idleness behind and pursue the mark of the high call of Christ in my life. Well, lovingly confronted you about the truth in your life. And that's, you know, that's a really fascinating thing as you explain it, Derek, that um, a major challenge for people today, we think of all the 
all of the enticements with the temptations. But what you're saying is it often starts with idleness. And, and that Absolutely. makes us very vulnerable then to things becoming idols that just don't, they don't fulfill our needs then. They, they don't, they don't, they drive us away from God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Derek, we rejoice with you over the goodness of the Lord, how he brought you to himself, how he uh, lovingly used your wife and others to dehorn you when you went through the stage when you were yeah. growing those horns, and how he's been using us, using you for his sake since. So I want to thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thanks for inviting me, Randall. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We're a joy. To have, it's a joy to have you with us today, Derek. And I want to also thank everybody who's listening in on this. Thank you for linking to our podcast. You know, we have a number of conversations like today's. It's with a growing number of people. So please feel free to check those out and also to join us next time on Better Roads. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.